Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. There's um, a film, there's, there's like a series on, I think it's on, it might be on Netflix, I don't know, but me and Zoe watched some of them. We didn't watch all of them, because um, you, you get another one, don't you? Somebody else recommends some other box set, and then you start watching that. Um, I think it's called Jamestown, or Jonestown, or James, something like that. Has anybody seen it? It's like where you have, there's these people who go from England over to America to establish the colony. Has anybody seen it? It's like all these women who get sent across to, to be like the wives of these blokes who were all there already waiting for them. What's it called? Jonestown. Jonestown. Okay. And um, so we watched uh, a few of those. It was pretty good. And as I say, we got into something else. But it, it's this whole idea of, a, of they're going to start a colony in the new world. So, you know, obviously this is when it all first got started off in America. And, uh, you know, different countries were getting different bits if you like, to go and colonize and take over. And, um, and that's a picture. As we're looking in these evenings, we've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God and what that looks like and how actually God established the earth. The idea was that it would be a colony of heaven, that he would have some people on the earth who would colonize the earth for him and take over. And um, if you've been here in the evenings, we're not going to keep on going over it, but something went wrong with that. And then there's a rescue plan for it now to happen again. And uh, the way that it works is through us one at a time. So in that program, there's these citizens of Britain who are, who are going and doing what Britain used to do quite a lot, uh, going and taking over some other country and, uh, and colonizing it. And, um, you know, my, I remember my dad saying that when he was a boy, he remembers that when he looked at the globe, loads of it was red. That kind of symbolised uh, the British Empire, Britannia ruling the waves and all those kind of things. Um, so it was about the kingdom going out. You know, we have, a, we have a king and the kingdom was going out and being established. So this, is, this helps us to understand the idea of the kingdom of heaven. Some countries who've got no idea about colonies and kingdoms and how they work, it must be kind of diff- difficult perhaps. But you know, if you've been brought up in this country perhaps or you know something about that history, it's going to help you to see how a, a king wants territory. A king establishes territory. A king fights for territory. A king then you know, takes over that. And, then, and after a while, that territory starts to look like the king. The things that the king wants, the the. the the, things that, the laws that he wanted to establish, the way you drive, which side of the road you drive on. You don't get to choose that anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, some countries you go to and people seem to choose which side of the road they want to drive on, uh, depending on how many you know, other cars there are around. But there comes a point in the United Kingdom when they said, let's drive on the left. And they established it as a law, and mostly we try and keep to that. And, um, and there are these things that you kind of export out to the, the colonies. And I'm not, by the way, arguing that it's always a good thing because this is, a, you know, earthly people doing it. But insofar as God establishing a colony from heaven here on the earth, that is a good thing because he's, he's, the, he's the king of kings. And so what he does is, is going to be good. If he, uh, so it just helps to think about a kingdom being established. Kingdom culture coming into foreign territory is a, is a very biblical picture. And if you look in the Bible at what we'd call becoming a Christian. You talk about people becoming a Christian. But the problem is you look in the Bible, you never actually see that phrase anywhere. 
It doesn't actually get spoken about like that. But there's various other phrases that talk about a descriptor of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And one of them that comes through quite a lot is this. It's, it's the idea of being a citizen, being a citizen of heaven. And that's what we're going to be looking at uh, tonight. And I was just looking uh, in the worship, a phrase came to mind about that, which wasn't in my notes, but um, kind of made me um, get a bit excited about it, really. And it was from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Paul's talking about um, the resurrection of Christ and then the resurrection of us. What happens to us when we die and then after we die? But also there's something he's just, he's giving an illustration about um, our natural body and the fact that there's something spiritual that happens at the same time. And then he talks about how Jesus was dead and buried, but that has implications for us in our lives now. And he says this, and don't worry if you don't get it all at the moment. Hopefully it'll help become clear as we go through. The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, that's Christ, a life-giving spirit. So it's like Adam number one in, the, in, the, in Genesis was a, a being, a human being, if you like. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. We know that story, don't we? The second man is of heaven. This is the difference. It's very important. It's why the virgin birth matters. That's why it's not an optional extra. Because if it didn't happen, we couldn't be saved. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. There's one category of being. You can be an earthly person. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. Like there's this different category of being now that has become available. That's the way the Bible would talk about it. And we just call it becoming a Christian. And it's so much better than that. It's so much bigger than that. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so also shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. That's what you're recreated for. Okay, so it talks about a heavenly man coming to earth. Now, when you watch a film or a program where you get somebody who comes like from another place, another planet, and they come to earth, how does that usually end up? <laughs> what usually happens? They get misunderstood. They don't get their message received. They get persecuted. People try and kill them. Is that about, you know, standard for those kind of things that happen? Now, when Jesus came to earth from heaven, people didn't get him. That's an understatement. People didn't understand him. Why? They were earthlings. That's basically the problem. He didn't come from here. So Jesus would say things like this in John 3 verse 12. And he's trying to talk to one of their religious guys, one of the smart guys at this point, Nicodemus, who's supposed to know some stuff. And he says to him, if I talk with you about earthly things and you don't get it, how are you ever going to understand heavenly things? He said to them in John chapter 6, verse 38, I came down from heaven 
to do the will of the one who sent me. And he was saying this kind of thing in the context of lots of arguments where people were like, we don't get it. Why are you so different? Why are you so special? What makes you so special? When his opponents asked Jesus, where are you from? They're looking for an earthly thing. Like, are you from Nazareth? Are you from Galilee? Where are you from? So we can pinpoint you. His answer was that he came from heaven. In fact, Jesus' reference point for life was heaven. Every issue that he faced on the earth... He took his reference for it with heavenly coordinates. He knew he was not from the same place as they were. So that's why he would say to Pilate at his trial, and he would say, well, are you a king then? He would say, I am a king, but my kingdom is what? It's not of this earth. That's why it says that he could wash the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. It says Jesus, knowing where he'd come from and who he was and where he was going, picked up a towel and did the servant's job. He was the most secure person that ever walked the face of the earth. He knew where he'd come from. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. That's security. John wrote, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. This is talking about Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's Jesus. Don't just get a picture of a little baby in a manger. Don't just get a picture of a preacher walking around Galilee. Jesus is fully God. He's the creator of everything. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But he came from heaven. And he never actually turned that citizenship completely in. He knew where he'd come from. And he was accessing that heavenly reality and bringing it to earth. That's why he would go around and he'd preach to people time and time again. The kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. That's how they summarized his, his message, his sermon. And as de- Jesus demonstrated what happens when heaven comes to earth and he showed what could happen when heaven comes to earth and he explained what happens when heaven comes to earth and people started to see that and then they began to realize that he was inviting them to claim heavenly citizenship too that's what the gospel message is it's saying you don't just have to live for here and now for Jesus heaven eternal life wasn't an immaterial state of being in the future that you enter when you die so often that's what the church has made it isn't it we've talked about heaven as being this fluffy place where everywhere's a nighty and we hang around playing harps in heaven. something new opens up and this would happen whenever a person identified with king jesus and especially when they identify with his death on the cross for them in that moment of identification something happened so they would say stuff like i have been crucified with christ and the life i live i now live by faith in the son of god who loves me and gave himself up for me gave his life up for me it was like when he died i died What happened to him happened to me. And what else happened to him after he died? He was raised. So that part applies as well. So it's like they would talk about it in this way. They would sort of say it as if there was like this old man and a new man. This person who died was the old one. And now... That old nature of mine that was opposed to God and his purposes, that constantly stopped me and pulled me down and and wouldn't let me live the way I was made to live. 
that old me met the grace of God at the cross. And when that grace took hold of me, when I confessed my sins to the one who died for them, I died. There was somebody. There's only one person here in this room at the moment. Actually two. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knew this guy. His name was Anthony Delaney. And he died in 1986. Your dad knew him. I still meet people who knew him. And they're amazed. They're like, how come you're leading a church? You? How come? And like, I was at, you know, you get invited now to police retirement dues. And I was at one a little while ago, and one of them went, you'll never guess what he does now. <laughs> and uh, well, I've heard, but really, can it be true? And one of them said, this is what he said, he was the worst. I see what he said. I was, and to be honest with you, I pretty much was at times. But you know what? That wasn't me. That wasn't me. That's the dead one. He died. He met Jesus. Driving, I was driving to work and that guy died and met Jesus on the cross and got a new life. And became a new creation. From that moment, it was just as if I'd never sinned. Nothing that I've ever done would be counted against me forever. Again, the Apostle Paul would say to the people like the Colossians, he wrote to them and said, You have been raised with Christ. I have this new life, I have this new identity. It's been given to me. And I've taken on this new identity of who I am in Christ. It's like Paul would talk about in Christ, like you step into being that person that God says you are. You're in Christ now. I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. Paul continued, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you used to live. Like there's this, he talks about it in those terms as if it's like, that's like the old thing. You don't have to live like that anymore. And he goes on to, to insist this kind of life-transforming experience, he would describe it as he'd say, the old has gone. The new has come. Metamorpho, new creation. You've, metamorphosis has happened. The chrysalis has changed. The butterflies come out. Whatever picture you want, it's all part of that. There's a new kind of creature. So I'm not saying I'm everything that I want to be. And I'm not who I'm going to be. But I'm not who I was. I'm a new creation. I'm a new, I'm a, there's a whole fresh Anthony Delaney walking around. And I'm being recreated to be more like Jesus every day. The Bible says I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God looks at me, God sees holy. God sees just. God sees pure. God sees his son. That's what he looks at when he sees me, because now he's in here. God's view of me is in Christ. He's in me and I'm in him. And he is perfect. He's perfect. And the Bible says, one day when I see him, I will know him. Why? 
because I'll have been made like him. So at the moment, I'm, I'm being made like him. At the moment, I'm going from glory to glory. You might be looking at me and thinking, you're pretty glorious right now. <laughs> Just wait and see. See, it's not like we're claiming to actually be perfect. Now, anybody who knows me knows that. But it isn't like we, we never have any struggles. That old person comes back. That old person wants to come back to life all the time. I've got to kill him. I'm going to put him to death. That's, what the, way, that's the way the Bible describes it. You're going to put that old one to death. Die to sin. Dead to sin means alive to God in Christ Jesus. Day by day, we do this. It's like there's this new life that is now beckoning and pulling me forward into being this. To constantly die to being the old person. To constantly be raised to be the kind of person that God says I already am. Living according, not to the old citizenship, but the new one. Because you know with citizenship you have rights and responsibilities. You don't get just rights. You also get responsibilities. When you take on citizenship, you have rights, but you also have responsibilities. That's why Paul goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and then he tells them how to live. But did you notice that word holy? Greek word hagios, saint. That's who I am. Saint Anthony. That's who I am. Don't need the Pope to tell me that. Jesus says I'm. I'm, I'm holy. Not, not trying my best. Not hoping to get better tomorrow. Not every day in every way I'm getting better by some kind of self-help program. No. Holy, without blemish, untainted. Untainted, that's how God sees me right now. A saint. See, if you live your life thinking you're a sinner as your identity, what are you going to do? You're going to sin. You're going to do what comes naturally to you. But now we can do what comes supernaturally to us. We can be what comes supernaturally to us. And in these passages, time and time again, we're actually being told over and over who we are. Now, that's what the Bible wants us to get. It's not just so much like some list about what you do and what you don't do. It's about who you are now. So the issue then for me, when I get something wrong, and I do, isn't condemning myself, or being condemned, or beating myself up, or try, you know, about the things that I'm messing up, and the things I'm not doing very well, or doing poorly at. The issue is, my learning to be the person who Jesus says, he's made me, already. And... What he'll do, he won't condemn me, but he'll convict me. There's a big difference between condemning and convicting. Condemning, you've got no hope. Conviction says, come on, live up. Live up to who I've made you to be. You can be, you can be him. I'll help you. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing us. When you're giving your life to following Jesus, there's a person, if you've done that, I hope you've done it. If not, you can do it tonight. If not, you need to do it tonight. There's a person that you become, not by your own effort, but by spiritual birth. That's the way, the way Jesus described it happening. By a spiritual new birth. You become a brand new, holy, perfected person. A citizen of heaven. Wherever you go on the earth, you can be who you are, wherever you go. 
The Apostle Paul wrote about this so clearly, and I think it's because he understood it. There's times, if you look through like the book of Acts, there'll be times when um, they were going to put him on trial for something and just beat him up, and, uh, and he pulled out the Roman citizen card. Did it a couple of times. They'd just be about to flog him, and he'd be like, oh, hang on, I've been flogged quite a bit recently. Hang on. Um, actually, I'm a Roman citizen. And they'd go, because they knew there was rights of being a Roman citizen. There were things that you, know, you couldn't do to a Roman. You couldn't have a crucify a Roman citizen. Did you know that? That's why they had to behead him. Which is nice. But he'd drop in the citizenship. He, he understood it. Once a high official said to him, asked him, well, how much did you pay for your citizenship? Mine cost me a lot. Do you remember this? And he said, no, I didn't pay anything for it. I was born a citizen. But the problem with us is, you see, none of us was born a citizen of heaven. There's only one, one person ever been born a citizen of heaven. He came, to, he came from heaven and he was born to be a citizen on the earth. Jesus' message, Jesus' invitation over and over, the king came bringing the kingdom and he said, you can come and you can be a born again citizen of heaven here on the earth. You can live differently here on the earth. So Paul would write about this and he understood it so well that he would write to the churches he was connected to, people who were facing problems in them. So in northern Greece, there's a colony of Rome called Philippi and he wrote to the church who were there and he wanted them to see that there's a way to look at life with a different reference point than just what's going on down here on the earth. With a different reference point, which is to reference heaven first and foremost. Philippians chapter 3. He says, As I've often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Where, where's their citizenship? Earth. That's people who are just living with that passport. As if this is all that matters. Well, how about us? But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly, are you eagerly awaiting a saviour? From there, from there. He's coming back. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Come on. That's your future. That word citizenship there could be translated equally our state or our country. Our country is heaven. Where are you from? From heaven now. Where's your country? Heaven. Imagine if you started to think like that. That that's actually your first point of reference here on the earth. That your citizenship is in heaven. That's why these Christians would talk about themselves and say we're aliens and strangers here on the earth. It's like, this isn't actually home. I'm not going to get too comfortable here. I'm just like renting a place. And notice he doesn't say actually, but it's okay because we're going to go to heaven to be with Jesus. That's again so often how the church has portrayed and preached this. You die and you go to heaven, yeah? That isn't what he says. The truth is way better than that. This says Jesus is bringing heaven to us. There's a world of difference. And we eagerly wait for that. We're waiting for Jesus to fully bring heaven 
here to the earth. Because that's where our citizenship is. It's like, we're not going to go home. Our home's going to come to us and take over. And that's really good news. Wherever we live, whatever we lived through. Peter wrote something very similar to encourage Christians who are going through some hard times. Take a look at this one. 1 Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercies, he's given us what? New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept where? For who? For me. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It's not quite here yet. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Hands up if you've ever had any grief. Don't give up. Even if you're going through it right now. Even if you're going through it right now. There's a place of rejoicing. See, this is so real to me when I read this. You can live in some terrible places. You can go through some awful times. But your heavenly citizenship is guarded. It's safe. It's protected. It's shielded. No matter where you are. No matter what you go through. Once you realise and remember that you hold dual citizenship. You can give preference to the kingdom of God. In every circumstance happens here on the earth, you've got a choice. Am I going to live with this? I'm going to deal with this as an earthly person. Just try and work all this out myself. Or I'm going to invite heaven and its resources that the kingdom of God will come here on the earth as it is in heaven. Can you get that as a picture in your head? In a minute, I'm going to, I just went upstairs and I just got some of these. They're like a little gospel, gospel of John. This is a sign. I put some out, we've got some like this and some blue ones. And put them out. And if you want at the end, just to, if you if you think it'll help you during the worship, to so come up, take one of these, stick it in your pocket or something, put it in your bag. As like a, a little reminder of where my actual citizenship is. Who my king is, wherever I go and whatever I do. Carry it around with you. Actually read it, it's quite good. So here's my main question tonight before we're done. Are you ready? Do you make your decisions, do you make your dreams and your plans based on your earthly position or your heavenly citizenship? What's your usual reference point? When something goes right, when something goes wrong. Where do you focus? And what would it look like now if, how would your life change? How would the world change around you? Whatever happens from now on, whatever you have to face, if your heavenly reference point started to take over more and more, that you actually played that citizenship card of where you're really from and what your kingdom really is. See, when you do that, when you realise that, according to the Bible, it says your future is secure. And, no, and so is your present. None of it depends on what happens in this world, actually. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because our citizenship is in heaven. And guess what? In heaven, everything's okay. That's the biggest understatement I've made in the sermon so far. Heaven is okay. 
for example, I'll give you an example, money. Jesus had two options. You can serve it. You can worry about it. You can live for it. Make that your God. Or you can see it for what it is and use money, the money that God entrusts with you, you, you for a short time, to store up treasure for yourself in heaven. That's the choices of money. He says, now, if you choose to put it all here, that's where moths and rust and inflation and interest rates and Brexit and whatever can affect it. But the kingdom economy is unaffected by all of that. Nothing's going to interfere with the kingdom economy. And with, nothing's going to stop all the power of heaven working. So when you're looking to think about a project or a priority, and when God says to you, I'd love you to do that, and you start thinking about the money, oh, how much is it going to cost? Which kingdom are you looking at for the resources? It's like another picture. You can be in a storm down here. Wind, waves, mess. Trees going everywhere. Then you go to the Manchester airport. You get in a plane. You fly up. Before long, guess what? It's lovely up there. It's pretty much always lovely up there. It's sunny up there. You've got into this, this other place. Where do we usually live? Our citizenship is in heaven. It says, they would talk about it. They say when Jesus brings you to him, you are seated where? In heavenly places. Do we live like that? You know, our feet are on the earth. Where are you, where are you sat? And I think that this has got a lot to do with what Jesus called entering the kingdom of heaven. I don't think when they use that phrase, that was talking really about whether you're a Christian or not. There are various things that say these people will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, that can't mean that a rich person can't become a Christian, can it? It doesn't make sense. But he's talking about it's hard for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what he's talking about is it's hard for a rich person to enter into the reality of their salvation. It's harder for that person. We might think money was an advantage. Jesus says it's a disadvantage in that sense because you're going to be more self-reliant, possibly. So when he talks about entering the kingdom of heaven, I'm seeing it more and more as being about who is exercising the rights and responsibilities of their heavenly citizenship and who isn't. So I check the Gospels for what Jesus says the qualifications are for entering the kingdom. Because if you're going to enter you know, a citizenship, you have to fill in all kinds of forms usually, don't you? And you have to you know, go through, jump through loads of hoops. So what is it, what's the Jesus qualifications? All I could find was this. Jesus said, you must be born again of water and the spirit. That's pretty much it. Oh, and there's another thing he says. You have to become like a little child. And then you can enter the kingdom. Have you done that? Have you done it yet? Have you done it tonight? Jesus said, you must. It's a kingdom requirement. It's the only kingdom requirement. You must do that. If you don't do that, you're not in the kingdom of heaven. You can't enter into that dual citizenship. You live in for this. You haven't got access to all those promises 
all that connection, all that relationship. You can't be an ambassador for Christ wherever you go. See, I think most Christians, most of the time, are living in this kingdom. Most of the time. I know that's a shocking statement, but I'm talking about myself as well here. I don't think, I'm not saying that they're going to hell. Please understand me. I'm not saying I think Christians are going to hell. What I mean is they're not entering into heaven. They're not entering into the kingdom, the supernatural provision, the reality, the the weapons, the provision, the abundance that the kingdom offers. We're getting by on this. We're getting all our answers from this world. And I mean... I mean, most of us who identify ourselves even as members of a Christian church can end up remaining foremost as citizens of the dominion of darkness. Stumbling around in the dark, the same as everybody else, instead of living in the light and living out the full potential that there is of being the citizens of heaven. Too many Christians are waiting to go to heaven when they die. While heaven is waiting for us to come alive now. They're waiting for God to, to bring them to heaven and heaven's waiting to invade now through us. Heaven's waiting to release the sound, the hope, the message, their healing, the miracles, the possibilities of the kingdom come now through us because the kingdom of God is in you. But we're not walking around the earth like people who carry dual citizenship. We've, we've not, we're not slamming that passport down that says, no, hang on, there's another king and there's another kingdom and that trumps that. We've got to learn to give preference to the superior over the inferior. This is what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. How do we live like that? How do we get that perspective? Well, Paul, I'll tell you what, I've been talking a while, I'm going to have to stretch and then I'm finished. So stand up and have a little stretch. Because this is important and I've worked a long time on it and I'm not just going to finish it because some of you look fed up. <laughs> Stretch, left, right, turn to the person next to you, smile like this. <laughs> and then sit down again. <laughs> Nearly done. So Paul, again, he writes to the Philippians and he starts at one point listing all his outward performance indicators and he says, you'll have to forgive me, it's a word he uses, he says they're crap. That's literally the word that he used, so don't blame me. Talk to him when you get to heaven about it. He says, all his pride and identity, all his performance, all his heritage, all his traditions never helped or saved anybody or changed anything. And then he uses accounting terms and he says, whatever I used to think, and used to put in the profit column for that, I now consider it loss. I put it in the other column. Because for me now, it's all about knowing Jesus. That's it. It's just about, it's like, he says, I just want to know him. Do you ever get that? Do you ever get that? I've got it a bit more. I, was, I had an operation a couple of weeks ago and, and I like, it laid me out and I was on the couch in pain and you know, the, when the drugs wore off a bit, it was not good. But I actually thought, what am I doing? What's the church about? We can have meetings next week. We can talk about plans for September and all that. But do you know what? It's rubbish. If it's not about knowing Jesus, I'm not bothered. I don't, I don't need any of this. I want to know Jesus. I just want to know Jesus more and more. I just want to get closer to Jesus. I just want to worship him. I, just want to, I don't want to be with people who want to be with Jesus and know about Jesus. I want to learn from people who are learning to know Jesus. 
I want to talk with people. I want to pray with people and discuss with people. They don't have to have been to Bible college. They don't have to have a doctorate in something in anything like that. You know, just, I'd rather talk with a, a 16-year-old in the youth group who's just spent time on the face in the prayer room, in the tent, and find out from them, what do you know about Jesus? What can you teach me? Because I want to know him. I just want to know him more and more. That's what it's all about. And if it's not about that, I don't know what it's about. I don't know what we're doing. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the target. If we miss him, it doesn't matter what else we hit. And so this is how it ended up for Paul. It's got simple. He said, I just love Jesus. I love being with Jesus. So he would say as a result of loving him like that, he says, to me, to, to die is gain. Because I get to be with him. It's like I'm not bothered anymore. To depart and be with Christ is better by far. It's like, because which kingdom do you think somebody who says that is living in more? The church gets all snarled up in all kinds of arguments and nonsense. But Paul's perspective, I love it here. He's talking about something people were falling out over in the church. Oh, move it on, sorry, different passage, Pete. Uh, he said, I want to know Christ and all that stuff. Look at the bottom line, next one. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. It's like there's this person who we already are when God looks at us. That's what matters. There's this new identity, there's this new me, there's this new citizen of heaven. And now we're here to learn to live like that's true. So that wherever I go in the world, people know, people know I'm British. You know, they don't have to even look at the passport. They can tell by my accent. Actually, you, you go to America, they all think you're Australian because you're from the north. Oh, are you from Australia? And it's like, no, because they know you're not speaking the Queen's English. <laughs> but it's identity. See, this is an identity thing. Whatever anybody else says about us, it's what God says about us that matters. And now, I just want to live up to who Jesus already says I am. Would you stand and we'll pray? The band are going to come up. And when the first Christians went all around that Roman Empire telling people the Jesus message, they spent most of their time explaining to people who they are now from God's perspective. How God sees them. And who they could become. And that no matter what darkness they'd been walking around in, now they could move into the light and they could live this new life. It talks about resurrection, life all the time. And yeah, we stumble, we fall back into old patterns. I mess up, you mess up. And we call them what they are, old ways. That's not me anymore when I do that. That's the guy who died. Wanting to, he's kicking and wanting to come back to life. He's like this zombie man. I've just got to get rid of him. And live this new life. Because now something's happened. When I met Jesus, something was birthed inside of me. This new life. Full of hope. Full of power. Full of joy. Full of peace. It's been birthed on the inside of me. And he just wants to take over. There was all kinds of restrictions in those days about who could be a citizen of Rome. And only men could. 
and then after a bit they widened down they said the sons of Roman citizens could become Roman citizens in different countries too but they still had all these restrictions but then these people went around and they spoiled all that and it's one of the reasons it spoiled the Roman Empire because they were going around saying to everybody everybody can be a citizen of heaven male female whatever old young Gentile Jew slave or free born again is what matters new life and when you know who you are you end up being you don't you so that's why they wanted to help people to know who they were because wherever you go you're going to be who you are aren't you who are you who are you citizen of heaven dearly loved holy When you look at me, do you see who I am? I'm the all new Anthony. I'm a citizen of heaven. Close your eyes just as we uh, pray. When you look at you, who do you see? Do you see who God says he sees? Are you bringing your life in line with the reality that God speaks over you? of who Jesus made you to be, who you are saved to be. When people meet you this week, when they, when they meet you, which you are they going to meet? Just give yourself fully to Jesus now in these moments. I want to know you, Lord. I'm asking you, take away the old. And bring the new. Be that new creation. see the old person going away so the new person comes here and now wherever I am reborn rebirth remade resurrected restored and Lord as we uh, celebrate and sing I want to pray as we put out these Bibles down the front if people if it helps them would come and they would we would claim our citizenship in heaven and wherever we go this week and in the future we would remember that we are being remade after the pattern of the man from heaven and heaven's coming and you want us to be ready thanks for listening For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.